drinks a whiskey drink, he drinks a vodka drink, he drinks a lager drink, he drinks a cider drink, he sings songs that remind him of the good times, he sings the songs that remind him of the better times. Hello and welcome to Question Block, Secret Loft's live recorded podcast, education, history, comedy. We got it all. I'm Wires of NYC, and today we're talking about cocktails. Joining me is... Aerialist. Who are you, Wires of NYC? I am dressed as Jerry Thomas, who is the father of American mixology. The professor... Jerry Thomas, the professor, the first flair bartender. We'll talk more about him a little later. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk all about mixed drinks, cocktails, and spirits today. What are you dressed as? I'm Rosé. And for those who are just listening, I look kind of like a soda jerk because I got a, a bow tie and, and white dress shirt on, uh, like a high, high-end bartender. And you look like a glass of Rosé. I do. You have pink roses and a pink wig. And a pink tutu. Yeah, you should be the, the basically the mascot of Babe Rosé in a can, I think. Yeah, That's what you look I'm like. a real babe. Nice. Oh, we should say, here's the interesting thing. I don't drink, so you love to drink in a good way. But this is a good, I mean, in keeping with this podcast, the whole theme is we constantly look up, research and look up stuff we don't know about and then talk about it. And I'm I'm unbiased because... I'm not going to be snobby about anything because I really haven't tasted many of these. You haven't tasted most of these. You yeah. just had whiskey. Yeah. So can I tell that story? Really just super, not even a story, just an anecdote. Yeah, let's hear your anecdote. The first drink that I ever drank when I was like 17 was wild turkey because that's the only drink that I knew the name Because your dad had wild turkey? My dad always drank wild turkey, so... It was like the first, it, yeah, I just, I knew that it was like a cool, like a kind of badass drink. Yeah, I ordered a shot of wild turkey and I just dra- nursed it with like a little drink stir for like three hours. Yeah. And I, I don't even think I finished it. I was like, Neh. Wild turkey is in the original pickleback, which we'll also talk about later. A relatively recent cocktail invention. First, we'll start with our definitions. Then we'll go to the history. Because alcohol shows up in pretty much every history episode we do. Because every ancient civilization, as soon as they get agriculture, they get alcohol. They learn that if you ferment it, if you like mix it with yeast, <clears throat> the yeast will generate some alcohol. Actually, they they didn't know like what was happening. They knew that that was happening. Oh, yeah. They didn't know yeast were microscopic little animals. Sure. That but. wasn't figured out for a while though like like the actual it was it wasn't until after uh like pasteurization that as a people as yeah. the human race probably like late 1600s mm-hmm. once they had microscopes maybe they figured it I out i think it was even after that honestly <laughs> yeah. like it, it was still a, it was something that i was like very shocked by that we we knew that like this would happen but we didn't know the science of it which is basically that that yeast it it like ferments and it like it poops out alcohol right yeah it, it eats like carbon and eats it poops. The sugar, or eats the sugar. Eats carbohydrates. Yeah. So yeah, you Carbs. mix with any carbohydrate or starch generally. And then, yeah, it excretes alcohol. <laughs> and like any living organism, it can only live in its own filth for so long. So once it gets to 15 to 
alcohol, the yeast dies. It's like a freshman, basically. It it eats carbs and it poops alcohol, and then it can and then it dies after living in its own filth for too long. <laughs> nice. I never went to college, so I can throw shade on uh, college students. So fermentation, pretty easy. Everybody, regardless of if they knew exactly what was going on or not, figured it out by the time even in like write some of the earliest writings reference fermentation. We talked about the Sumerian tablet that has a prayer that includes a recipe for how to brew beer. We talked about how the Egyptians were all drinking beer and it's really popular everywhere also because the water typically was always terrible because people didn't have good sewer systems. So you would get very sick. Uh, but if you introduced some alcohol to it, you could kill off a lot of the bacteria that would make you sick. And they didn't really know why that worked either, right? But it did. So the Greeks recorded like adding wine to their water to make it drinkable. The Egyptians, we talked about, drank weak beer on the Egypt episode. I actually have the, a timeline of when... You got your timeline of fermented drinks? I have a timeline drinks. of when the first like different drinks. Mead, uh, 6500 BC is like the earliest record of it. It's It has honey, water, and yeast, and the earliest evidence points to China. That might be because they also ha- learned how to write before anyone else. Uh, then we have wine. Oh, so other people were doing it. They just weren't writing about it. Well, I mean, we will never know. Wine, 5400 BC. The oldest wine is derived from grapes. It's thought to originate from Iran. Beer, 3400 BC. Evidence of barley beer is found in the Zargos Mountains. Vodka, circa the 8th century. So we, we yeah, we were living on those like very very like calorically dense things. And then we wanted to be skinny little bitches around the eighth century. So vodka was invented uh, in v- Russia. Vodka. Now you're getting to vodka, whiskey, tequila. These are distilled drinks. So this spirits. Is, yes, these are spirits. This is a step beyond fermentation. And so there, it really was a whole like major technological change because it is much more difficult to distill. Uh, and I know because I've done it before. So <gasps> you can't just leave yeast with you know, whatever starch and then drink that, that'll get you to 15 to 20% alcohol. So the, the people who discovered it, there's a couple like Middle Eastern alchemists that like during the dark ages while Europe was like, they forgot who Aristotle and the Greeks even were and they were just killing each other. Uh, the Arabic scholars were studying like the ancient Greeks and like learning all this stuff, inventing algebra, astronomy, all that cool stuff and distillation because they were very into alchemy. So distillation was first used as part of alchemy so if you heat up your beer or wine or whatever to just below the boiling point of water, alcohol has a lower boiling point than water. The alcohol boils off. You can capture that vapor and cool it down. That's how it still works. Okay. So they called that what they like produced, which is ethanol and a bunch of byproducts, aqua vitae or the water of life. Oh. Or aguardiente, which is fire water. Doctors started... Once they like rediscovered distillery, they imported it to Europe around like a thousand AD or whatever, right? The first thing they prescribed it for was medicine. So the irony is that like for like a really bad headache, they would prescribe uh, aqua vitae, like basically hard alcohol. Um, so once doctors started prescribing it, then it got it started being used recreationally, and then uh, it became popular for like sailors on long sea voyages because the water sucked because you kept it in barrels and it got really gross hard alcohol transports really well. Like beer or wine will will go stale if you carry it around too long. 
So hard alcohol became very valuable, again, for treating waters. People would also give yeah. give it to pregnant women um, to help them give birth. A lot of the times they would they would uh, bathe the baby in beer be- just because it was more clean than water. There was a famous king known as James the Bad. Um, That's great. <laughs> Who doctors treated him by wrapping him up like a mummy and dousing him in alcohol, and then somebody dropped the candle on him, apparently, <gasps> and he burst Oopsies. into flames. Um, and they believed, because everyone hated James the Bad so much, they believed it was divine retribution. Okay, so now we're going to talk about cocktail, like the mixing of a spirit, right? A cocktail is a spirit with water, sugar, and bitters. That gets to the the original cocktail, the original like mixed mixed drink, which is punch. And so there's five ingredients in punch. Uh, and so punch originated probably in India because of the spices in it and then was brought by the British East India Company back to like the UK, spread through Europe. And like it was a very common social thing. You could show off like how badass you were by how big your punch bowl was. Yeah, it shows up in common sayings like taking away the punch bowl is like ending the party. And so there's five ingredients to punch. So there's the strong, which is typically like some like distilled alcohol. So often rum, but even gin can be used. Uh, The weak, which is water. There's the sweet, which is sugar. The sour, which is usually citrus. So lemons and limes and whatever else. Uh, And then the spice, which is often nutmeg. So punch shows up then throughout the 1600s and 1700s of like, there is a trend to carry around a nutmeg grater to wear it as bling. Kind of like how DJs carry around USB sticks on necklaces um, because it showed off if you were like grating a lot of nutmeg, it meant that you like were very wealthy because you had you were having lots of like parties with punch. Um, George Washington, during his campaign stops, would serve punch like free punch. Various famous figures in history even had punch recipes, including Charles Dickens had his own like punch recipe that he like shared with the Victorians. It was the daiquiri. <laughs> the daiquiri is a form of punch. Yeah. It, so it was. Ju- Jennings Cox, he was in Cuba at the time of the Spanish-American War. Yeah, and that the whole thing, like, he, he ha- wanted to have a party at his house, and uh, he ran out of gin. They All they had was, like, rum at the bodega when he went, right? And uh, he brought it back, and he's the one who came up with that, with that rhyme. I was listening to the bartender, this bartender, um, Matthew, from the library bar, was talking about how he learned how to bartend with the daiquiri because he was like if I take away the rum and I put tequila then it's like a a margarita if I like that was just like his template for most drinks because it's very formulaic and he was able to apply it to a lot of things and when I I didn't know that daiquiris were like anything other than the blended like the the icy daiquiris I was like the daiquiri like way back then but I maybe you knew maybe people who drink know this what are called frozen yeah, frozen daiquiris. Or like that strawberry come out of daiquiris the, or something. They come out of the slushy machine. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, I didn't know that it, it's, to me, it sounds kind of like, to me personally, it sounds kind of like a mojito without the mint. It kind of gets to that original punch recipe, right? I, I actually, I would argue that you can think of almost everything as, every cocktail is punch or some variation on it in some miniature form, right? Where you go from a punch bowl to a glass because it's going to have, a strong and a weak, a sour and a sweet, and some sort of spice. Yeah, and that and the 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 bartender from Library Bar, he was also saying that that's 
that's what you should do if you want to impress your friends. Like if you want to have like a cool home bar or like you want to, what alcohol you should get for a party. He was like, yeah, just make like basically the equivalent of punch. He calls it like an infusion or something. But he's like, yeah, it's really easy. You can make it in like a large quantity and you're good to go. Yeah, generally it is. I, from my own experience, bartending and throwing parties, it's always great to have just one or two signature cocktails that you're going to do really well at a party. And it is cool to have like everybody's getting the same drink, but then you can stockpile all the ingredients. You have the recipe down. If you want, you can batch it ahead of time. So you have all the ratios done. I think what, to me, what's more interesting as someone who is more of like a novice going into this is the differences between things so that you don't sound stupid at a bar. That's what I think is like the most important. I think that most people are afraid of like, I actually bartend at Secret Loft and a lot of people, they've said like certain things to me where I'm like in my brain, I'm like, that's not a thing, but I'm, I like, I guess it like takes courage or like they, you know, they don't want to sound dumb. Like, what's a weird thing people have ordered? Someone has ordered, like, a bourbon scotch before, which is, like, not a thing. That's a, that's a really funny word. <laughs> um, like, so. That's a great one. What did you serve, though? Did you mix Evan Williams with the Johnny Walker Black label No, scotch? I served them Johnny Walker Black, and I charged them for it. I think what they maybe meant to say was a scotch whiskey. Because scotch, right, scotch and bourbon are both kinds of whiskeys. Yeah. That's so, I mean, I just, you always, yeah, you, you just was like, well, you want, you said scotch, so I'm charging you. And they, they were okay with it. I'm sure they enjoyed it. Yeah. So do we want to break down and go into each category of spirit or do we want to just talk about famous cocktails? Let's approach it from the, the idea of if you are putting together a home bar. Generally, as a bartender, what you think about when looking at a bar is there's four clear liquors and these go into 90% of drinks you're going to sell at a bar. Okay. Like mixed drinks. There's a vodka, gin, tequila, rum. And then there is whiskey, which is generally going to be like just variations of whiskey is most of the dark liquor you're going to sell. I know that there's an acronym that you could, it's, it's basic if you remember, because there's like bourbon, American, Scotch. Scotch, Scottish. Irish, and Canadian. Yeah. Sure. Okay. That's the acronym to help you remember what they, so they are. So your whiskey then. And then Basic. almost uh, everything else you generally, as a bartender, you think of as kind of some specialty thing. And often for a given specialty liqueur, there's there's just going to be one or two drinks that you make with it. So like Jägermeister is pretty much just shots or maybe you're creative and thought of some way to put that in your drink. What like, is Jägermeister? What, what? So Jägermeister is a... It's a liqueur, right? Not a liquor. Yeah, it tastes like what you would consider an aperitif and that it is like, it has a very heavy anise flavor to it, like black licorice, but it's very thick. Yeah. So it's a liqueur. It's, it's a liqueur. Cause there's lick, there's liquor and then there's liqueur and a liqueur is exactly, it's like more molasses-y. It's like thicker and like sweeter and. Yeah. So generally liqueurs are uh, lower proof. Jägermeister's still pretty high proof though. Yeah. Um, there's stuff like schnapps, right? So there's lots of different <laughs> flavored schnapps. So like peach schnapps is very common or triple sec is the, I think is a brand name, but that's like a peach schnapps. And often you'll use that as like a sweetener in a drink. What about bitters? So these, that's your spice category. Okay. Right. So th these are not spirits, but yeah, often you're not going to be grating nutmeg depending what the recipe is. Bitters <laughs> is basically like how it's how you quickly and efficiently can do spice on a drink. As I was saying, there's like specialty alcohols that are, that you consider sort of secondary, right? So I give the example of Jägermeister, 
I gave the example of like peach knops, which you would add to a drink. Fireball is just something that you make shots out of. There's stuff like Bailey's, Irish cream, uh, which you could make an Irish car bomb out of or like add it to coffee or whatever. There's lots of like liqueurs and and other stuff. Um, There are like different countries have national drinks and sometimes people will want that in particular. So an example would be like Pisco, which is distilled from grapes, which is Peruvian. And there's one drink you make with Pisco, which is a Pisco sour. Um, which is Pisco egg whites, I think lemon and sugar, or for example, Fernet, Fernet Branca is uh, Argentinian. It's like a very minty spearmint tasting, like Argentinian liqueur. And you mix it with Coca-Cola and it's delicious. It was real popular in Williamsburg in like the, I think the early 2010s, somebody picked it up from the Argentinians. But yeah, it's a, a really awesome summer drink. Anyway, that's kind of that's how you think of generally the spirits of a, in a bar, how you lay them out, right? And so the the clear liquors I talked about go in what's called the speed rail. You put them right in front of you so you can quickly pick them up. You put your speed pours in them so you can quickly like dole them out. You often have your your nice high end whiskey you display on the top shelf behind you. Top shelf is where the expensive stuff goes, and generally all your extra flavorings and whatever else you can kind of put in a cabinet if you use some of them, like the. The triple sec, for example, more often you put it in your second rail um, or you just kind of like hide it, you know, somewhere on the lower shelf. So, yeah, generally that's that's what you're going to for your spirits. And then we talked about you've got your right the week, which is your water. And so we don't generally add water like just straight water to cocktails anymore. Right. What we do instead is we add soda. That's almost every highball is what you're effectively doing is adding sweetness and water. To like when you make a highball to a liquor and ice. So shaking a drink is just a sophisticated way to weaken the drink because it puts little shards of ice into the drink and makes it cooled very quickly. That's why it is important, for example, to shake a martini because the water that melts off the ice while you shake is an important component of the drink. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that all the drinks were like not carbonated until like they were all flat, even wine, not wine, even like champagne grape wine wasn't it was like a flat thing until 1662 christopher mary discovers how to make drinks carbonated yeah how to get it to basically for bubble continue fermenting inside the bottle yeah is what's happening that's why beer is is like naturally carbonated you bottle it just before the yeast dies completely and so then the yeast like outgasses co2 as well as alcohol okay so i have so sazerac the Sazerac, now it has rye whiskey, absinthe, Peychaud bitters, and sugar. It was invented in New Orleans. A lot of people are like, it's it's like America's like first cocktail. It's like why America is like the cuisine of America's like cocktails oh, because funny. of this. Like people are like, yay, the Sazerac. And by the way, the, the blight is the phylaxia insect. It ruined the French economy so much by like... By like 80%. I mean, it was like, oh, it was, it was a, awful. The great French wine blight. Okay. Yeah. So then you couldn't make other things that you were distilling. And yes. The French primarily at this time were making like sherry. Yeah. And like. Cognac. Yeah. Sherry is, and cognac, which, which comes from, from grapes. Yeah. From, from wine. Yeah. Every, everything kind of right. starts with wine. It's like potato wine or like sugar wine or, right? Like in terms of sugarcane wine, in terms of like. 
That's true. I guess there's no just fermented version of sugar cane. That you no, I mean, that's that's only, really... Only the uh, distilled version. Yeah. Should we talk about absinthe a little bit? Yeah. What's absinthe distilled from? So ab- absinthe has wormwood in it. I legit didn't well, understand why it was legal. But I think it's just, it's infused with wormwood. It's not yeah. distilled from wormwood. Wormwood isn't a starch. It's a, wormwood itself is like a spice. Yeah. Have you, t- can you describe the taste of absinthe yes i have made absinthe oh tell me oh you know oh oh, okay tell me about it yeah so when i made my absinthe i just like put in a lot of like chinese five spice anise (laughs) um a couple other fennel it says fennel fennel there was like a i found a recipe that included like five different spices or six different spices and then wormwood was just another spice that goes into it I always thought absinthe was like some crazy hallucinogen because of like movies and stuff, um, because of The Nightmare Before Christmas and also because of From Hell, that like Johnny Depp movie, because I always thought he was hallucinating because he drinks absinthe in it and he hallucinates. But actually, then he's drinking the absinthe so that he doesn't taste the lauded that he's putting in it. So so, and also, I think in The Nightmare Before Christmas, that's what they do. She's trying to hide the taste of like the poison in the wormwood. So it's like that wormwood has a really strong like taste. Not that it's like crazy. Okay. So okay. it became illegal because the t- it's funny, like the temperance movement was kind of like on it. The wine industry was also really upset about it because of the blight, right? Because like, of, because of the blight, people were like, oh, we're just going to drink absinthe like instead of like all the products that the wine companies were making. So then the wine companies were like back in action they were like they hired this like fake doctor, which is like at that time everybody was like a fake doctor to tell people to to do a quote unquote like studies on it and tell people that it was it was making people go crazy. Then this there was a guy who he just basically drank like a lot of everything and he murdered a bunch of people, and that was the final straw. But like they were like, well, what did he drink? And like they're like, oh yeah, he drank like three things of Everclear. Three, you know, like one thing of absinthe. This is like in the 1800s, so I don't, I don't know if he was drinking Everclear, but um, they they used him as sort of a mascot, the wine industry and the temperance movement. They were like, absinthe needs to go, so they banned it, and it wasn't legalized again until 2007 in America, I believe. And there's still like warning, there's still um, regulations on like how much you can drink. There is one reason why people possibly did go crazy on absinthe. Do you know what that reason is? So it has trace amounts of the psychoactive chemical thujone, but it's trace amounts. Right. And so when they've actually done controlled studies, no. Okay, but there actually is a real true reason why people... Delirium tremens? No. So... I, let's say it's the warm wood, like that that gives it the green color that it's expensive. And so sometimes people were using copper, you know, to, to cheapen up and that would make you very sick and like make, make you hallucinate and die and go crazy. So no, it's anise, green anise. that is why maybe some people actually did like really go crazy on it. But I don't know. I think it's super cool. I, I literally always when I saw it like. Or people were like, oh, we're going to drink absinthe. I was like, oh, my God, these people are going to, like, hallucinate and, like, party with the green fairy. Like, I always thought it was, like, so crazy. <laughs> and I didn't. I was like, why is it legal? It's like a, it's like acid. Do you know how you traditionally drink absinthe? Yes. 
you don't, you do not light it on fire. Like some people do. Some people will light it on fire. You have a special spoon, which I think we still have. Someone left their like absinthe spoon <laughs> with like lots of little holes in it. It looks like lace. And then you put a sugar cube on that and you pour, yeah, you pour water over the sugar cube and it will actually um, turn the green liquid into sort of like an opalescent, like fizzy situation. It gets, it gets whitish. Yeah. Yeah. So you've taken your strong, right? Your absinthe, which generally is overproofed. So you can light it on fire. It's usually uh, between like 100 and up to like 140 proof or something. Uh, I mean, that like burns the alcohol off though. <laughs> it's not going to like get you drunk. Yeah. You're not going to burn all of it off. Okay. I mean, you just, it's a cool effect. It would take a long time to burn off the alcohol. That would be me. I'd be like, I'd like an absinthe um, with no alcohol. Yeah. So you've added the, your weak and your sweet to your strong. So you've made a little cocktail when you, even when you take your absinthe. One cool thing is that that's actually very similar to the recipe for grog. Grog is associated with sailors along with like, you know, rum punch because they would get rum rations. And the way to stretch out your rum ration and also stay hydrated is make a, a mixed drink out of it. If absinthe is adding sugar and water to your absinthe to drink it, the way you make grog is you take four parts water, you add one part rum, and then sugar and limes. Oh, cool. That was also, that was like one of the pirate drinks, right? That is. That's a very common pirate drink. In Moby Dick, they drink it. Grog is a cocktail, right? It's like, again, you've mixed your strong rum, your weak water, your sweet sugar, and your sour because you've got your lime. And it also keeps away scurvy. Yeah. Do you know it's like a, it's kind of ironic, like I think about rum is that they think the invention of it, they think that's that basically enslaved people invented it because they they had sugar cane they were like they were harvesting like sugar cane and they were like okay let's let's make our own alcohol out of this and it freaking like blew up and it's kind of ironic because it like made the demand for the thing they had to like harvest like even higher basically kind of like the cotton gin when the cotton gin was invented they were like this will industrialize cotton production and textile production we won't need slavery anymore and instead, all the southern plantation owners were like, we can sell even more cotton now. Yeah. But it would be like if a enslaved person invented the cotton gin. <laughs> That's True. kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I feel like rum rum is like the little the little brother of like all of the other like alcohols because I don't know. It's like its own sort of newer like category. I, I, feel, that I think just you're what just I feel discriminating like. against where it's from because it's associated with the Caribbean and generally tropical drinks which often end up, perhaps because they use a lot of fruit juices, end up sweeter than a lot of like drinks that originated in Europe or, or like in you know, New York City or the United States. Yeah, I, I think also because it's so easy to adultery. Like, I mean, I guess vodka is too, like with the flavored vodkas and stuff, but I feel like a lot of people that I know of, they don't, they're not like, oh, here's, I'm going to like taste a high quality rum they're going it, to, it'll be like, I'm going to buy a spiced rum, which apparently you shouldn't do. Like you should just spice your own rum. <laughs> if you want it spiced, you should just use like a real spice. Usually spiced rum has like, like a, like a lot of syrup in it or something. Uh, it's like a Starbucks drink. Often gives you bad hangovers because the common thing is hangovers are caused sort of in two parts, right? There's both the dehydration from the alcohol, but often a big component is all the spices and like sugars and stuff that are in the drink. And like you're saying, spiced rums are very like adulterated, if you will. Yeah. Um, 
so they can give you a particularly like wicked hangover and like accompanying like terrible stomach ache to go with your pounding headache. Wow. So although that said, Sailor Jerry's really great spiced rum over it's 99 proof. Pretty Ooh. good. Sailor Jerry is Norman Keith Collins, uh, born in 1911. Norman Collins was the real Sailor Jerry in was a tattoo artist in Hawaii. And there are there are several really great fine rums that are aged. I'll give a shout out to Zaya Rum. It's probably my favorite aged rum. Bacardi makes a not bad spiced rum called Bacardi Ocho because it's aged for eight years. So there are there are rums that like just like a you know a bourbon or a scotch they age them uh, and they come out pretty good. I'll take your word for it. I'm personally not a fan of Kraken. I know that's a big one. Kraken's real popular and. Uh, Personally, not a huge fan of Gosling's. So the most common drink to make with Wait, spiced Gosling's rum. Gosling's makes alcohol? Yes, they make ginger ale. I mean, I'm drinking. And they make rum. I'm drinking like a, a I know, Gosling's. they got the market cornered on the dark and stormy. Yeah. Well, because their little seal is named Stormy. <laughs> yeah. Stormy the seal. You know why? Because he's, he's, he's dark the and dark and stormy. And stormy. Yeah. I know about, I used to have to make dark and stormies because I was a bartender on like a boat. Which is like, that's very weird because I don't like either. Well, I don't like boats and I, I don't drink, like I said. Um, but yeah, it was like this little cruise and they thought it would be cute to make dark and stormies. And it also would like help, I guess if people were seasick, it would help. But I'm like, if you're seasick, don't don't drink alcohol. Like in this day and age, this it's okay to drink water now. So do that. But I guess like anything with ginger in like the olden timey days when like water would murder you, then... Uh, yeah, ginger was like for your for your stomach. I also think mojitos were to like settle your stomach too, <laughs> originally. Yeah, originally. perhaps the fact that it has mint and also has a a good amount of like I think even just drinking like soda water was considered is you know the carbonation was supposed to be sort of calming for your stomach. Oh, and another we we were about to talk about it before the gin and tonic. So a lot of people were getting malaria and they had to take their anti malaria medication, which was quinine. So going back to sort of like you were saying, right, there's a similarity between there's almost families of drinks, right? So margaritas and daiquiris are related. We talked about the dark and stormy earlier. Yeah. And dark and stormy is identical to a Moscow mule. It's except a ginger beer based Moscow mule with black rum instead of vodka. And then uh, a dark and stormy, if you change out the mixer, so instead of ginger ale, you're using Coca-Cola, but still garnish it with a lime. Paloma? You've, you've, no, that's a Cuba oh. Libre. Oh. Rum and Coke, to to those not in the know, but a Cuba Libre is the the name of which a free Cuba is the name of the drink, right? Which tells you that it was popular around the time of the Cuban Revolution. Oh, so speaking of the Moscow Mule, though, yes. What else is in that family? Um, because well, so you can kind of jump from drink to drink, right? So Moscow Mules are often served in a copper mug, and the mint julep is also served in a copper mug. It was evolved from a Middle Eastern drink called the julab made <laughs> the with julab. rose petals oh that sounds just like rose water yeah like drinking I perfume. Like, that sounds disgusting the senator henry clay is credited for the mint julep he's like i'm gonna drink this drink and i'm gonna bet on horses and wear a fancy hat yeah it's mint bourbon simple syrup and crushed ice yeah and then there's the Mojito, which is what's what's the difference between a mint julep and a mojito? There's no bourbon in a mojito. Mojito oh, uses rum. Okay, but they are very similar. In that I don't think you muddle the mint necessarily in mint julep. I think you just kind of just push all the leaves in there, 
and like crushed ice is a very big thing for the uh the mint julep that has to be very tiny broken up ice i don't know why um whereas for the mojito i think standard ice is fine but the mojito you have to actually get like a if you want to make it right muddler. you get the muddler and and you know smush all the mint leaves and the sugar down the bottom of the glass and then you add rum uh lime juice and top it with some soda yeah so the, the mojito is the we we said Fran, uh pirates but francis drake the like pi, the privateer so like the naval officer gone rogue we've talked about him so much he's like he's like our mascot but uh, I guess everyone had dysentery on his boat, and then he was like, "Somebody send, you know, somebody bring me back something." And oh, they, wow. they, they came back with. Um, that's a that might be the original cocktail if that story's true. That's Francis Drake, right? That's I mean, that's it's kind of like pre grog though, or whatever. They had a guardiente. Yeah, they 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 came back lime, with sugar some whistles. Cane and mint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but with some whistles and um yeah i don't know that it'll fix your dysentery that's, that's but what, it will I, that's fix what your i'm scurvy. saying like yeah he was like we need to fix this dysentery and they were like well have we got a drink for you <laughs> let's get drunk that it might have been and that was like the skirt you know the scurvy the scurvy curing situation too they're like let's just put some limes in Mm-hmm. In this alcohol, it will preserve them and it will keep our teeth. Oh, or you talked about margaritas, but a, a yeah. cousin of that would be the Paloma. It annoys me so much. It just annoys me so much when things are named Paloma because Paloma is pigeon. Like it's pigeon. People are like, oh, no, it's dove. And I'm like, no, it's pigeon. Palomita is dove. Yeah. And so, yeah, the pigeon. Do You, you said that you want to talk about the Paloma. It's a good drink. It's, I mean, it's just sour. It's grapefruit and uh, tequila. And then often with a salt rim or nowadays they'll do a spicy rim. They'll use tajin. It's like no one knows who invented it. No one knows. There are tales of Don Delgado Corona in Mexico. He's a bartender. They think he might have invented it. Yeah, did you know Palomita is also the Spanish word for popcorn? Yes, I did. <laughs> I did actually know that. So Christmas time, you, they got it covered. Yes. You know, that's everything on your Christmas tree is just Palo. What do you have on your Christmas tree? Palomita. Let's see. What are, oh, the Cosmopolitan. Duh, right? So the Cosmopolitan's a funny drink because it's the name, right, implies this like a worldly person, but it is like the most sorority girl, sort of like what a high schooler would enjoy drinking type drink. It It is. It's interesting though. There's a story that I heard that this guy, this like person of color, invented it in this the bar. Like the owner of the bar, like didn't want to hire him. They were like being segre- They were being like racist. And when the owner was away, like the other bartenders like let him. They were like hired him, and he was like, "This bar needs some color." And then he like, it's a no, of color. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't. Know. Yeah, I, I'm not. This is off the top of my head. Okay, because this is. Okay, so the reason I say it's uh, sweet is that, right, the ingredients are like absolute citron, which is like a flavored vodka. I guess it uses Quintreau, which is like an orange liqueur, uh, fresh lime, and cranberry juice. So it's just like it makes a pink drink that's basically cranberry orange vodka. Yeah, well, I was joking. If you were a high school kid, like that's what you would go make. You're like, oh, it's cranberry orange and vodka. It's probably, it is delicious. Um, the Cosmo is just yeah, you put it in a martini glass and put a a lime on it. And have it's, you it's ever fancy. have you ever ordered a Cosmo? I don't think so. I don't think so. I've made them. I've made like the what I'd call the poor man's version. I didn't use like Quintreau. Like I I probably just use orange juice or like triple sec to do it. Oh, I guess 
you know what? I think I make people Cosmos. Oh, you, you know. just call it that. Yeah. Well, they're men usually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't call. I Because they're like, yeah, I'm, they're like, oh, I want something. And I'm like, what do you want? And they're like, oh, I want something like refreshing. And usually when people say refreshing, they mean sweet. They say it in a certain way. They say it in a way. Oh. They always like it. So don't worry. I'm not like. Okay. Yeah. Because we haven't gotten to spritzers, which are probably the most refreshing kind of cocktail. Spritzers generally a summer cocktail. Um, and so a spritzer often involves, often uses wine. It's some mix of like wine and water and then something else. A common like very old spritzer would be the Americano. Oh yeah, we're gonna talk about the Americano and the Negroni now. And the Americano evolved into the Negroni. Yeah, so tell me. So the Americano originally is uh, Campari, which was, I believe, right, there was a, a Campari bar. And so Campari is a proprietary blend of like herbs and various like sweeteners and spices but it's like a a liqueur so uh americano is um what i say campari uh red vermouth or vermouth rosso because it's italian uh and then i think just uh like seltzer water you can imagine it's like a sort of it's a bitter a little bit sweet uh very like not strong drink and it's very dry because of the vermouth so it's like a great summer, like aperitif to have like before dinner. Um, and so then Count Negroni in, I think, late 1800s asked the bartender at his local bar to make him a uh, an Americano, but swap out the seltzer water for gin. And thus the, and the bartender changed the garnish to uh, an orange peel, and thus the Negroni was born. This is in the Cafe Casoni. So yeah, Campari vermouth and topped with gin instead of soda water. Count. That's so cool to be a count. I want to be a count. They're just accountants. I think you can. You're born into it, you know. Just like accounting. Um. So the the Negroni, one of my favorite cocktails. It's very. Anything about the Negroni is there's no real there's no other food that tastes like it. There's nothing that's that both like bitter and dry, but also sort of sweet. It's it's very complex like the intermingling of flavors. And so we'll see that with a couple of the other very classic cocktails we're going to talk about. Uh, so I think we we talked about the old-fashioned, right? Which Did is we? just... No, I, I, don't, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Wait, okay. So like whenever I hear the word old-fashioned, I laugh because in my mind, an old-fashioned is like an HJ. So like I didn't think it was a real drink because like... The first time I was with someone, they asked the bartender for an old fashioned. I like fell on the floor and rolled away because I, I was like, "How rude!" <laughs> Do you know about it? Yeah, it's really just adding, I think, bitter and sh- bitters and sugar to whiskey. Yeah, and then maybe shaking it. Yeah, it's a cocktail. People people asked for a cocktail made the old fashioned way, which is yeah, exactly what you said. And it's it's from <laughs> the the Pendennis Club, which. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know sounds an the awful. Pen Fifteen Club in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> yes. um, so and then yeah, often you get it with uh, a maraschino cherry. Like... No, um, I think it's not supposed to be a maraschino cherry. It's supposed to be like a special. This picture has a, a maraschino cherry. cherry, like a, like a special fancy cherry. Apparently, like I I've heard people were like bartender like star bartenders or whatever. They were like throw. They were like never use maraschino cherries. Unless you're making a Shirley Temple. Yeah. You're supposed to get like the the big like dark 
meaty ones. I don't know. They were they had some cherries that looked like wild. They they, they looked like little apples. It was crazy. So yeah, that an old fashioned. Then I think I often think of it in the same category as a Manhattan, which is like these are just these are cocktails that are like it's just a way of making whiskey a little fancier. Yeah. Um. So a Manhattan is whiskey, sweet vermouth, and bitters. And set right, right where his old fashioned was sugar, the Manhattan is sweet vermouth. Um, and it also ha- often comes with a special cherry. But the Manhattan is funny because it comes in like a, not a martini glass, but in a very like wide brim uh, martini-esque glass. It's very yeah. feminine looking. And martini is often called the gentleman's cocktail, which <laughs> I find it's such a funny term for it because I'm like, it implies that cocktails are for women. And this is like the gentleman's version they of are, it. They are, though. But it also is itself a martini is like a pretty feminine looking drink because it comes out. It's a sort of brown, brownish <laughs> color with a cherry, sort of brownish red with a cherry. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm, I'm just picturing like. You're saying um, cocktails are for women. Well, they are. No, no. Yeah. But like, seriously, they are because. OK, because there was like saloon culture where you were like, OK, let me just get a whatever, like a brandy or whatever. Right. And then women were like, no, let's do the prohibition. And the prohibition like happened. And during the prohibition, you would go the to the these... movement was associated with women's suffrage. But it's then true. and then there were like the cool women who were like not in the temperance movement. Like, and they were like, well, now we get to drink with the men. And really what the prohibition did was invent cocktails and or like a proliferate cocktails and also allow women into bar culture. So then when they like, they repealed the prohibition, women could now, you know, drink with men. Right. And so everyone was like drinking cocktails and they came out of that, which is, isn't that like suspicious? Like, yeah, you come out of uh, like, like a decade long, you know, like prohibition and then everyone's like we've invented all these new drinks <laughs> during this time well it's only suspicious if you haven't listened to our 1920s episode True. where we talk about all the drinking that happened during prohibition yeah, um, I, yeah this- one of those famous women who we should talk about uh dorothy parker who's a famous wit um because there's now a gin named after her and she her favorite i guess cocktail i don't even know if it's a cocktail i think she just drank gin but Maybe would maybe she was having martinis with it, which we haven't talked about yet. We oh, the martini. Got, we have not yet talked about the martini. Yeah, I, I put these in that same category of of uh, cocktails that are very boozy, right? Much like the the old fashioned oh. or the Manhattan. It's that a martini is just a way to make gin a little bit fancier, which is gin. You add some vermouth, and then garnish with an olive, and then do you know what a dry martini is? A dry a dry martini would have more vermouth in it ironically it's the opposite oh it have less vermouth in it that's that's right no it's weird because vermouth is dry Uh, yeah and then an extra dry martini is just gin it's just gin with with an olive so the the joke is that you just hold the martini bottle above the glass of of gin and let some light pass through the martini bottle and into the gin (laughs) that's that's how my that's what my grandmother liked and then, you know, a dirty martini. Oh, it has the brine from the olives in it. Yeah. They take the brine from the olives and they, yeah, they put it in there. Now, do you want to discuss your infographic? Oh, I was just, I was just saying it's, it's cool because it, it's like, uh, it, it, it's like a little map of like how to pick your drink. So it's like if you're feeling boozy, 
you know, you go down like the boozy path and then like, yeah, martinis on there. But if you would like something complex, boozy and complex would be like the Negroni if you want. Yeah, it's talking about like your same categories. Like it tells you like all the boozy rum drinks, all the boozy like gin drinks. The Tom, do you know about like the Tom Collins? Because I think that one's really funny because that's like a, 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 like a pranked. No, tell me about the Tom Collins. So the, the inventor of the Tom Collins is this guy and his name is Tom Collins. And he is like the best like marketing genius of all time. He's amazing because he like he started like a rumor like he would he would tell someone he'd be like, hey, um, this guy like Tom Collins, he's like he like owes you money or like he's talking shit about you or something. And so the person would be like, what? And they'd and he'd be like, oh, they, they left, like, go to the next bar and, like, ask for ask for Tom Collins there. So the person would, like, go to the next bar and be like, hey, does anyone know, like, where Tom Collins is? And sometimes the bartender, because I guess all the bartenders, like, knew that this was going on. So they would, like, they would either give them the direct, they would just make them a Tom Collins. Or they would be like, oh, no, I think, you know, Tom Collins is, uh, he was definitely talking shit about you. He's at the next bar. And then it, like, spread spread his drink idea the tom collins hoax it's just like i guess straight laced people would never find out what it was oh so it was like a joke so what the original recipe for tom collins is ew powdered sugar old tom gin and soda water yeah i wonder if um if the old tom gin is named after jerry thomas uh it is possible uh jerry thomas a famous bartender in new york as we said at the very beginning of the episode, he was the the first flair bartender uh, and really established the the concept of a bartender uh, not as just like uh, a chef, but as like having showmanship involved, um, which I think a lot of like mediocre bartenders still revel in to this day. Um, so Jerry Thomas is the, I don't know if he invented the first flaming cocktail either, but he did have a flaming cocktail recipe. The blue blazer. Which, the blue blazer. Yeah. Which you want another recipe for the blue blazer? It sounds disgusting. Yeah. You take a a full uh, glass of I think brandy, but maybe whiskey, uh, and you take a full glass of boiling water and mix the two together. And then th- light it on fire and then throw it back and forth between like two silver plated mugs to In- mix it. Until you die. And then you serve it and I guess put some sugar on it. <laughs> nice. Which He's makes like, it kind yeah. of an old fashioned, I guess. But uh, it's boiling hot, which sounds terrible. Boiling hot whiskey. Well, yeah. Do you want to know just some other cute little cute things about him? Is that mm-hmm. he... In New York, there is a place called Restoration Hardware on 28th Street between 2nd and 3rd Avenues. That is where P.T. Barnum in the, like the ground, or I guess P.T. Barnum in one of the floors had his like whole menagerie going on, right? And that's where Jerry Thomas had his bar oh. in there. So if you go to Restoration Hardware, that's, that's where this all took place. He had two pet white rats who would like sit on his shoulder while he bartended. He he wore flashy jewelry, which is because like people are looking at your hands a lot when you're bartending. So he like wore flashy jewelry. Um, he had a bowler hat. He also was part of the the like big man club. 
because he was like 200 pounds or whatever. He's just like part of like a sort of like a strong, strong and like large man club. That building, um, the like Confederates set it on fire because they were like pissed at P.T. Barnum, like pissed off a lot of people. And it it set like everything on fire. So it set his bar on fire. But yeah, he was like a man. He was a man of all. He was like a Renaissance man. He was like went to sea. He almost died from cholera. He tended bar in San Francisco. He also wrote all these guides to bartending that had different names. So the one was called like the the Bon Vivant like companion. I do know. So also, do you know about like vodka? Like how vodka like came to the United States, or like how it became popular? Because nobody liked it. They all liked dark liquor, like alcohols. No. How did vodka get popular? So the like this Smirnoff, the the guy's like name was Smirnoff. He fled Russia like after the Romanov thing blew up. And he was like, people will really like this in America. Literally like during the prohibition <laughs> that he arrived and he's like, this won't last long. But obviously it did. So he sold his he sold his company after the prohibition. The Smirnoff like company was desperate to make a name for themselves and no one no one liked clear alcohol so like doesn't taste like anything it wasn't manly they decided to to rebrand it they were seeing that that it that they were selling it in like certain areas and what happened was there weren't there was enough demand to make its own like bottles vodka bottles or caps for it so it by accident got bottled in like whiskey bottles and so that was they were like oh let's market it as like a clear whiskey and they also like film the film industry and was was kind of like booming at this time with the with the wizard of oz and everything and a lot of production companies banned drinking on set or like they banned like alcohol drinking culture so they they said their slogan was smirnoff leaves you breathless because they were like it's this it's this pure, it's pure, like, unadulterated, like, alcohol that won't get you in trouble with, with like, your wife or the film. And just, like, you won't be able to smell it or anything. And that's, yeah, that's how then everyone was drinking it. <laughs> um, I do have some stuff also about champagne and rosé. Okay, so I just thought this was interesting that in the first, that champagne started with, like, in the first century. Like, the the... The, the cellars that the Romans dug in, like, the Champagne Valley, they're so deep that they now, like, run trains through some of them. Because I always thought that it was, like, a newer thing. Like, Champagne was, like, a newer thing. I guess everyone knows that, like, it's just where the grapes are from. Yes, it can only be called Champagne if it's from the Champagne region of France. If it's from California, it's a California sparkling wine. By the way, shout out Chef Maki watching on Twitch. Oh, yeah. Because Chef Maki heard me comparing bartenders to chefs. Yeah. I got excited. Okay, yeah. So Champagne, well, they've, they've been making a sparkling wine in that part of France for 2,000 years, you're saying? Or did they just figure out how to make it sparkling more recently? Oh, the sparkling was in 1662. That was I, Christopher Marie discovered okay. how to make wine sparkle. So up until that point, it just been like a flat, I guess you can call it champagne, a champ, flat champagne wine. Just and, white wine. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Dom Perignon perfected, perfected it. Okay. Perfected champagne. Do you know what makes a white flip? What makes a wine white or red? 
uh, I believe it's the grapes, right? So it's if you use typical red grapes versus like muscat, like variety green grapes. Yeah, and the um, it has to do with like also the skins, right? Like if you leave, I think one of them you leave the skin, the skin on the green ones you don't leave the skin on. You like you get rid of the skin. The red one you can like use the skin for something. Okay. You can use it to make like an even crazier wine. <laughs> or like maybe you ferment. You leave the skins in while you ferment and then you like strain all that out. Yeah. Yeah. Rose. Yeah, there's a lot of crushing grapes with your bare feet. <laughs> yes. Especially barefoot wine. That's uh-huh. <laughs> the only wine made by feet. One cocktail, I realize there's one more cocktail we haven't talked about, which is the White Russian. Oh yeah. Since we were talking the about dude. Vodka. White Russians are they're one of my favorite cocktails because they shouldn't make sense really. Because you generally would never mix vodka with milk. Yeah. Right? And then you mix it with Kahlua, which is sort of, is basically, right, which is and a coffee the black, liqueur. the black Russian. Yeah, black Russian would be just vodka and Kahlua. But yeah. it's really interesting to mix a, right, it's like a, a Russian, Polish, like cold weather, <laughs> hard liquor, vodka with uh, Kahlua, which is like, has a very like Javanese Sumatra sort of coffee like vibe to it. Um, but it's great. When the two come together. it's Yeah, so apparently it was, <laughs> this is so funny. It says, right, because there's like the black Russian and then and then uh, it says years later, someone added cream and the, they, they're like someone, they really, the dude, um, this was in 1965 in Oakland is the first, they were the first people to report on it in their Tribune, which does not mean it was invented in Oakland. It just means they didn't have shit going on then. So they were like, a new drink. <laughs> It's wild. Oh, we didn't get to the pickleback though, because that was pickleback is a New York is a Brooklyn invented drink. Really? Oh wow. Yeah, the pickleback was invented at Bushwick Country Club in Williamsburg. Really? I was there once, uh, having a drink, and the bartender told another customer that, and I scoffed. I audibly scoffed, and I said, "No, you didn't invent the pickleback." And he was like, oh, yeah. uh, "Excuse me, the New York Times and Wikipedia say that we did." Oh wow! And he, he like pulled out his phone and and pulled up the the Wikipedia article on the pickleback, and Bushwick Country Club is credited with inventing it. Pickleback, for those who don't know, uh, the original recipe at Bushwick Country Club is a shot of Old Crow whiskey followed by McClure's pickle juice. Uh, and the reason is because there was a I guess McClure's pickle factory or one of their some early pickle factory was next door to the building with Bushwick Country Club in it. And so they came up with just like a lot of these great cocktail inventions, basically. It's like two people, somebody had extra whatever. And oh, so yeah. they made a cocktail out of it. But it turns out the pickle brine uh, is a great chaser for whiskey. Oh. There's also like the screwdriver. They're just, the screwdriver, this is like so funny. This is, it's invented by oil, people working on an oil rig. And they just would put vodka in their orange juice like in the morning. And they didn't have any like any tools except for a screwdriver. So they would mix it with that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which I'm like, that's great. It's like literally the original like hair of the, the dog or whatever. Um, yeah, screwdrivers are really interesting because it's, yeah, it's a, it is a morning drink, right? So it's up there with, a screwdriver is just a harder mimosa. True. Which is orange juice with champagne. And then a Bellini is very similar. But it has Prosecco. Yeah. And Prosecco. peach. Prosecco and peach uh, cordial? Peach jam or something? Yeah, like the a puree. Oh, peach Ugh. puree. Baby food, yeah. peach baby food. Yeah. Yeah, I think Bellinis are gross. 
Bellinis. Yeah, they're all like these. It's funny because you wouldn't order it at night. I guess you'd order it like a brunch. Yeah, the French seventy five is has a great name because it's like it, it's just supposed to have like a kick, like a seventy five millimeter gun, right? Yeah, and so seventy five millimeter shells are are like right, absolutely massive. And so around, I think they were invented in around World War One or whatever. So it was like the biggest gun that they had was like a seventy five millimeter. Oh, nice, but. The irony is it's not all that strong a drink. It's kind of yeah, thick, I guess. Yeah, it it's served here in like a, a champagne. It mood. looks almost like a lemon drop, right? Yeah. It's, it's got a lot of lemon in it, but I think also Prosecco and maybe some gin in it. Yeah. I suppose that's where the kick from. Kick comes from if something has both wine and a spirit in it. And you know that the, the Long Island iced tea was invented from a contest? No. Yeah. There was the, to make the most disgusting, least classy drink ever. No, um, really. It was a. It's like pink. No, flamingos. no, no. It was a contest of of is this triple sec like sponsored contest. It was like who could make like the best drink with triple sec. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Um, Long Island iced tea is a really funny one because it breaks all the standard rules of cocktails. Everything that we've talked about thus far has had like right a single hard spirit. And then the mix of other like ingredients we that we keep seeing over and over, and a Long Island iced tea uh, isn't that right. A Long Island iced tea is those four clear liquors I talked about before, right? So it's gin, tequila, vodka, and light rum, all together, which makes it really fucking strong. Yeah. Um. Then triple sec, and then a splash of cola and and sour mix. Oh, and sour mix. Which is also ironic because sour mix just it's makes sweet. it even sweeter, yeah. right? It's already got Coke and triple sec in it. So it's already very sweet. Um, yeah, but, but it, you know, it's impossible to make it without putting, you know, at least two to three shots of liquor in it. Oh, and then finally we should, then we should talk about the, the actual art. Oh, we, the we didn't talk Mary. about Bloody Marys yet. Sorry, and we haven't talked about Boilermakers. So we'll get those out of the way. And then we should yeah. talk about the art of actually pouring a drink. I mean, yeah, as Bl Bloody Mary is just like, it, or it originally had tomato juice and vodka. Just tomato juice and vodka, Ugh. which is yeah. pretty gross. Yeah, and then he's like, you know what? Let me make this not taste like absolute dog shit. So he uh, he decided to add salt, pepper, and can and Wor Worcester sauce. Worcester sauce. Yeah. yeah. Very important. Wait, or is it Worcester and, and Worcester sauce? Are they, are they the same thing? They're things? different. Okay. There is, it's worth Googling Wisconsin Bloody Marys because uh, there's a weird thing that Wisconsin bars do where they'll put like an entire meal in a Bloody Mary as the garnish. So you can find photos of a, it's a giant like 22 ounce pint glass Bloody Mary that has like 12 chicken wings on a skewer and like two cheeseburgers and a whole batch of onion rings and like a fried chicken all like attached oh, to the no. Bloody Mary. Uh, oh, because it's like a cocktail sauce. <laughs> I don't know why they do it, but it is like it is a thing. Bars will compete to have like the dumbest Bloody Mary and to put like an entire like six person meal like on skewers like stuffed into a Bloody Mary. It was originally called the Bucket of Blood or something. Oh, OK. So it was named after there was like a waitress named Molly who worked at this other bar called the bucket of blood and someone was like that's what you should call it and but bucket of blood was like too crazy so they were like let's just call it bloody mary maybe sounds apocryphal to well me. that's what i mean i don't know that's the story that everyone remembers right it's not the story they 
need. It's the story they want or vice versa. Oh, yeah. And should we I don't don't think we said that because we did talk about the martini. I don't think we said you should not shake a martini. You should stir it like the way James Bond like orders it. It's like not correct because, you know, I disagree with that. It's really up to you how you want your cocktail. The irony of how James Bond drinks it, which maybe goes with the character, is that he gets more water in his martini. It's a little more right. It's, down. That's what I mean. That's what it's like. He's he's like ordering it like all masculine, and it's actually like he's well, like actually I'd like it a little bit less like punchy. The first drink that James Bond orders in the James Bond series, which I think was Casino Royale, is a Negroni. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, so right, stirring is shaking and stirring are just two ways to get cool down your drink and get ice shards into it but obviously like shaking is going to get more ice more melted water into the drink um we didn't yet talk about a boiler maker is just a a type of beer cocktail so (laughs) boiler maker is is just dropping i think a standard is just drop a a whiskey into a light beer okay um like a sake this i'm like okay sake bombs are a standard similar version people do they're like they get so worked up because I was like looking into this too and people were like, you can't say Irish car bomb anymore. It's too sensitive. And then people were like, you can't call it a sake bomb. But it's like, it's because the shot glass is like a bomb. It's not. Sure, it's named after like, I guess like IRA terrorism or whatever. That, I think Ireland, that like happened after. Troubles. That happened after. They just uh, called it a bomb because of the sound that it made, like it makes when it like goes into the. Into the, sure. into the the glass. Irish car bomb is a type of boilermaker, pretty sure named after the Troubles when the Irish were doing the Irish was doing a bunch of car bombing, uh, which is you you take a shot that's half Bailey's and half Jameson, right? So two Irish Irish liquors yeah. and drop it into a pint of Guinness. That sounds literally like the most disgusting thing ever. Uh, it's really delicious <laughs> as it works. That's another example of a drink I really like because the alchemy of it works really well. Um, if you let it sit too long, the Jameson, the, the Bailey's Irish cream curdles because of the alcohol and the whiskey. And so g- you get these like chunks uh, oh, yeah, of that's like why cream it floating gross. in your, in your uh, yeah. drink, but you're supposed to chug it and it tastes like a chocolate milkshake. Um, in part because I'm mean, thinking about it, the Guinness plus the Bailey's is delicious. I don't know what either of those taste like. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, Guinness is the. The dessert of beers. We'll, yeah. We won't get into all the beer kinds. That that be a oh, whole yeah, other wild. episode. Same with the wines. We'll get a yeah. small in. Here I just I just that. mentioned those those two or like oh yeah rose. I I didn't know this that you can make rose by mixing white and red wine together. Mm. Yes, you can. So like if anyone orders if anyone asks if we have rose, I'll be like I can make you one. Can you make them one. Can you no for real? Can you like put like seltzer in like a wine? That's a spritzer. That's pretty much what like a you can do is. that. Like that's allowed. Yeah. Okay, nothing very, bad will a happen. A common, a real common other summer drink. I don't know why I didn't mention it during the spritzers when we were talking about it. But an aperol spritz is a very common, popular drink these days, which comes in a big wine glass and it's a third aperol, which is like, like Campari sort of. It's kind of an aperitif, uh, a third prosecco, and which is right a sweet white wine and uh, a third, oh Irish slammer now. Yeah. Nice. Okay. And a third uh, soda water is how you make an opera spritz. It comes with the full like uh, slice of orange in it. You can. You can add soda water to wine. You this can call it a spritzer. Say I know. can make you a rosé spritzer. One more drink we haven't yet mentioned, which is another kind of boiler maker, 
is called a flaming Dr. Pepper. What? That's so creative. Oh my God. It's the most, I think it is the most fun cocktail. I'm going to say this now. It's the most fun cocktail. So you, uh, you take a shot of amaretto, which is an almond flavored liqueur. Yes. Very interesting. Mostly used in cooking, I think. You put a float, you top it with Bacardi 151, right? And because of Bacardi 151 is such high alcohol, you can get a layer of it to float on top of the amaretto, which is thick. So float of 151, you light that on fire because the Bacardi 151 is flammable. And then you drop that into just uh, a pint of like any just like lager beer. So like could be Coors Light. If you want to be fancier, use like a six point crisp, like a good lager. And then you chug that and it tastes just like Dr. Pepper. That's so crazy. And it's really bizarre that, right, that even more than the, the Irish Slammer. It's weird that it tastes like Dr. Pepper because none of those ingredients should you know taste like dr pepper by themselves but the three of them together do that is really crazy yeah we should have set one of those and those are fun to do too because you can if you get a whole bunch of them together you can balance you'll there are videos of this on youtube you can balance all the shot glasses on top of the pint glasses so then you hit one and like dominoes they all fall into the, the oh that's cool drink some yeah i've seen that with like well, with sake, like slammer, I've seen that with like people with the, their chopstick, that you put it on like the chopstick. Yeah, and then you pound the table. You just move the chopstick away. Oh, okay. Like, like Jenga, and then it I've goes I've seen in. people do it by like, they pound the table and the chopsticks move and then the, oh. the glass falls. Yeah. Yeah, sake's interesting because that's not really a, that's not a boiler maker because sake itself is a, like a rice wine. So it's you're wine, just, yeah. You're dropping wine into beer. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So you know why the beer before liquor thing is a thing? No, it, I did not know it was even, I did never know that it was actually true. It's true-ish because if you drink like heavier, th like um, more like alcoholic things later after you've already been drinking, you're um, going to be stupider. So you're going to make like worse choices. <laughs> so you're going to not judge like how good you feel or not. Okay. That's why. Wait, but li what is it? Liquor than beer? You're in the clear? Because <laughs> the, the yeah, hope is you'll sober up by the end of the night? Well, because towards the end of the night, like, yeah, you'll you'll sort of like be drinking less alcohol. Like, it's going to take you longer to finish the beer. Like, you're, you know, beers are like, they're like heavier. So you're not just going to be like slamming them. So you, it kind of slows down your drinking. Whereas like if you if you pregame or whatever and then you your your judgment is already clouded and then you start like slamming like heavier like more drinks or whatever your your judgment's gonna be like worse. Yeah, I'm not I'm not yeah. buying it. That's why I said true-ish. I just think it rhymes and so people wanted it to make sense. That's why I said true-ish. Oh, and then one more fun shot, which you've probably never gotten to do this layering layering liqueurs into a drink i don't drink so no but if you prepare a drink oh yeah no i mean i've word i'm so, not uh, making complicated stuff yeah so this drive like busy bartenders it will drive them crazy if they're busy and you ask for a b52 but as somebody who loves bartending it is a very fun drink to make so right you can layer liquids and it's based on it's it's called the specific gravity of the liquid but it's more or less the density of it so obviously like a very thick, heavy thing, like say Jägermeister or like uh, like a Kahlua is a very thick syrupy thing, can go on the bottom. And then if you very gently, often using a spoon to kind of catch it as you pour it, you can layer the next layer. Wow. And then you can keep going. Um, so you can get up to like seven layers depending oh my God. on the drink you make. 
So a very common example of a layered shot is the B-52. And so the B-52 is you have your Kahlua, then layer of Baileys, and then a layer of, uh, can be triple sec or like Quintro or Grand Marnier, which is orange liqueur. But so it's sort of like a, a coffee, coffee cream, orange, creamsicle kind of oh. thing. I, if someone asked for that for me, I would be like, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> Do you respect yourself? Choice. No, I, I never. That's a that's a great thing about having a bartender who doesn't drink is that I'll never judge you. But it means you also can can layer more or less, right? Because those are sort of the ingredients of like a, I guess a mudslide. A mudslide. Kahlua, right? Yeah. Kahlua Irish cream, and and you could throw a little vodka on top of. I it. I mean, yeah, I'm um, mudslide. Or it's, or it's like a white Russian, but you've s substituted Bailey's Irish cream for the milk. Mudslide um, is is a. Uh, the, oh, a it was invented. A customer came Logic in. And cream. Yeah, they want. Yeah. Well, that's a white Russian. They wanted that. The bartender just had vodka. Kalu yeah, Kahlua and Irish cream. So it's yeah. It's okay. A, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but you. It's possible. The point I'm making is just it's possible to layer those, so you can actually make like a, a mudslide or a, a white Russian like as a layered shot, mudslide. which is funny. How did the B52 get its name? I don't know. The plane. Or the plane, I mean, yeah. Um, I'm sure it's named after the plane. Oh, apparently you can make it flaming because you can further put like 151 on top of it. That's cute. It's claimed to have been invented by a guy in at the Banff Springs Hotel in Banff, Alberta. And he did name it after the band. Yes. So yes. there you go. They're a good band. They're cute. They're Speaking of tiki, they're cute. Okay, so I made you a bunch of drinks. Yeah. Okay. Now we can get to the tasting portion of the episode. Yeah. We've done all our homework. We've talked about the history of everything. That was an action-packed hour. It was. Yeah. All right. So what do we have? We'll, I'll describe this to the listeners, and I'll show the people who are watching on Twitch. So what, there's this very red, looks like cough syrup, small drink you made. You made these. So these are candy infusions, right? Yes. <laughs> so each of these is a, a liquor, and you've actually just infused it with yes. some kind of candy. And by that, I mean you let the candy melt. <laughs> I've infused it for 24. It's a 24-hour infusion process. Which, honestly, this is how exactly how infusions work, right? We went to, was it was it called Dirty Bird? Yardbird? Yeah. That restaurant? Yeah, Yardbird in Miami has infused bourbons. And I think they just, like, put peanut butter in bourbon, and then oh. they call it a peanut butter-infused bourbon. Yeah. Actually, I think... I think that whatever brand of bird, I think that it was like the well, I think that that company does that, and they're still they That's, just have a peanut Screwball, butter still. Screwball does that, yeah. Screwball. Okay. They just put marshmallows in the still. Mm -hmm. So what is this? Wait, can so there's two red ones. I forget. Can I just smell it really quick? Okay, so this one it's cinnamon and rum. Oh wow! It's like so a red it's hot. it's called the it's it's the it's called the 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 candy ass pirate. <laughs> It looks like it, yeah, it looks like a Jolly Rancher, but yeah, cinnamon. So it's a uh, cinnamon and rum. So it's like Fireball whiskey, oh, sort the, of. Oh, the sexy candy, yeah, the rum. hot. You really don't taste the rum. It just tastes like cinnamon. It tastes like I'm just a cinnamon candy. Don't drink the whole thing. I'm afraid. Do you want to try? I mean, you I get, smelled it. Like, a little it. spoon. I'll, I'll like lick it. Okay. Oh yeah, it tastes like mouthwash. <laughs> yeah, it could just be a cinnamon mouthwash. Okay, right, so there's I, that one. What grade will you give it pretty, out of 10? If, if they serve that to me at a bar, I'd, I'd be pretty mad. <laughs> I'd be like, what? Yeah, this is mouthwash. Um, 
Oh, maybe we should call let's it the move. mouth. Let's just the, move on. I'm going to tell you if any of these are. Oh, I know. That's the grandpa. That's the grandpa. That's a Werther's, um, like butterscotch candy in in bourbon. In bourbon, yeah, the grandpa. The candies really become this sort of. You know what? There's so much sugar in these that probably all of them are going to turn out to be. Oh, because normally I feel like sweet. you would put one candy in like a batch of it, and this was like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. This just tastes like whiskey, pretty much. Oh no, it's there. It's subtle. <laughs> this worked. You know why? Because you can see it's layered. Because all the sugar's on the bottom, it's not too sweet. It really does just taste like whiskey with like a hint of butterscotch to it. Just like grandpa. Yeah, Belmont probably would have been into this. My, my grandpa. <laughs> I would have made it for him. Here, mix it. Okay, I'm mixing that's it. Not, that's not bad as far as the whiskey goes because it's subtle. Um, so it's a subtle butterscotch taste. Oh, I can lick taste. this like straw too. Oh yeah, it's, I because I mixed it. I taste like butterscotch, and then there's just like a subtle like chemical taste to it for some reason. I don't know what that is. It's grandpa. That might be. I don't think it's a whiskey, but it's not bad. If I took a shot of this, I'd be like, all I right. Don't, I don't know that I talk about a grandpa. I I think it's still probably better to have the Werther's original as a chaser off regular whiskey, but not terrible. Well, I mean, you can have these drinks any way. You can have them as chaser. You can have them as a cocktail. I decided to make them. It's is an infusion. They're it's not like even... a mini shooter kind of. Okay, so this, yeah, this one is the 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 mint. Oh, you're doing the end. This is one. a mint gin, and what's this guy? That one, that this is the grandma, which is I think it's strawberry gin. It's strawberry gin, yeah, and strawberry spearmint gin. vodka. Yeah, the grandma. The grandma is uh, the one you're. You gin. should do the grandma because that's the scariest one. It sounds pretty gross. But this because <laughs> grandmas are scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, it's just like it's, it smells super floral. Yeah, well, that's like grandma. That's I I want to make it with gin, and he said no, and I said you have to. This is this your favorite one? Oh, pretty good. Yes, pretty good. I knew it. I was like, this is gonna be the best one. Yeah, it's one of those strawberry candies you can only get from grandmas, um, and uh, <laughs> it looks like a strawberry. It's got the red and green wrapper. You no, know, you know the one when you turn grandma, they put you open your purse and you find one in there. <laughs> I, I had to frequent a bus stop and befriend the grandmas there. Somebody needs a, a comic about that if it doesn't exist. It's just a known fact. You turn 60 and you're just suddenly you hear like rustling. You're like, oh, and it's only if you have like children. Like, so I, I, I'll never be able to get them like myself. They'll never appear in my purse. That was the best. Yes, the best I part. knew. I was like, I knew it. I know that like the weird, the weird ones, they always come out good. Just like me. Yeah. Grandma's pretty great. Um, it's got none of the, right, like straight gin, depending on the gin. We didn't use, we use Seagram's, which is the, is not a great gin. Seagram's, like, Grandma. <laughs> oh, yeah, Seagram's. <laughs> yeah. Grandma of the sea. Uh, <laughs> Chef Maki wants you to know, they sell them at Economy Candy Store. <laughs> Economy Candy. Famously, tons of grandmas working there. Grandma's working there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it doesn't have any of the whatever it is about gin that it sometimes gets you and you're like of like not great gin. It has a little bit of a burn, is not not yeah. great. Whereas like the the Empress gin, the high end like lavender infused gin that, that we sometimes carry at Secret Loft, uh, is like very smooth. But yeah, the that grandma candy really hides the uh the slight burn the and astringency of the ginniness of the the extra juniperiness, I guess. Isn't it funny that gin the Seagrams gin is kind of just like a flavored vodka? <laughs> like, it is, right? Isn't it? I've, it's like, it's like how you get your own category. 
I'm pretty sure, right? It uses the same base grains. Is it is it mostly like potatoes or is it or is it using sap? So that's like juniper. That's the flavor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it, it is like the same. It's I think it is like a potato. But what are they fermenting? To I'm pretty sure. It's, I think it's it, it literally is flavored vodka. <laughs> OK, it's flavor. You still haven't. Speaking of vodka, you haven't tasted my. Got to try. Got to taste the spearmint. My vodka. my peppermint. Wait, what should I? My peppermint Romanov. Oh, you know what? It's it's gin. Gin's base is generally wheat or barley. Oh, so it's a flavored whiskey. What? <laughs> oh, weirder. my God wild oh yeah one thing we didn't talk about by the way is that uh whiskey and and bourbon and a lot of those things like where they get their flavor from because when they are first distilled they can be almost they can be like clear and so it really is the the fact that they're stored in these barrels which are often yes. wood fired so you're it actually is picking up like the smoke the, all the like wood particles and stuff are diffusing into this like, like barbecue high proof alcohol yeah it is just like barbecue. Yeah. Yeah, the wood smoke. Yeah. Gives it the flavor and is like what gives it the coloring as well. Um, oh, yeah. One thing that I didn't mention uh, when I was going on and on about how everything is punched at the very beginning, that's also where jello shots come from. Jello shots come from way back in the 1700s, there were recipes for gelatin punch where you just, because mm. they knew how to make gelatin then. So you could and like. Someone put that shit in their fridge for too long? Yeah. Or I think they would purposely make like a big alcoholic gelatin. Aww. It'd be like a punch. Take your whole punch bowl and add like jello powder <laughs> to it and put it in the fridge for, or I guess for them the, in the ice box. Yeah. Right. I I just I love the I love happy accidents. Experiment. So I just imagine they're like, oh, the company's late. Let's you know, mm-hmm. and they're like, this punch bowl has turned this, this, this one again hardened. smells like a mouthwash. <gasps> I think it's. It, it tastes just like mouthwash. It really does taste like Listerine. Um, I could see some people being into this, but I'm like, not. I might be into it. I love mint. I'm oh. just tasting it. I'm just like. Taste the top layer and then then try mixing it up. God, oh, yeah. This would totally be my favorite drink ever. Like, man, I wish I did drink. I love I love mint. Like, I freaking, it's like my favorite flavor. I mean, this is like an alcoholic, uh, like wintergreen gum. That would literally be my drink, like straight up, or like a bubble. Gu- oh my god, I should do one with bubble gum. Oh, now that you mixed it, I think it's better. Now that there's okay. some of the sugar in it, this could be an okay shot if you really, you know, did the infusion and you'd have to like shake the bottle before you like pour it to keep it mixed. But uh, it works. I think I told you, but not the viewers, that I've had a Rolo shot. So if you go to Key Bar, which is owned by a Polish guy, uh, over. It's near Avenue A, I think on like 13th or 11th Street. Um, they have the bartender, if you get them talking, they carry a bunch of like Eastern European beers and like they have a very interesting kind of gross cocktail menu with a lot of the things that are on it. And then one of them is the Rolo shot. And I was like, what is that? And he's like, oh, I, I take, I guess Rolo candy is Polish. And he puts mm-hmm. them into the vodka to infuse the vodka. All right. Well, anyway, that's my anecdote about another weird infused a Rolo vodka. shot. Yeah. So yeah, I'll be making our craft cocktail menu at the new Secret Loft. Thank you very much. Yeah, those might stay. If off you menu. need, if anyone needs consulting, I'm I'm available. You're mixologist, I believe, is your title now. Yes, the missologist, the miss <laughs> miss mixologist, mix, mixologist, MX, yeah. Oh, that's oh, mix- oh my god, so good. Mixology yeah. mixologist. I'm a yeah. non-binary. A non-binary mixologist. I I am binary though. I'm mm. very feminine. 
I haven't heard of Rolo Candy for 30 plus years. It is very niche. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the last, like Rolo Candy is the kind of thing you'll be like in a. A grandma? Like if you're, a grandma's purse? Yeah, if you're in like a nursing home and you go, there's like a vending machine, you'll go to the vending machine and there's like a roll of, roll of candies in it or something. It's always in like yeah. weird, hidden out of the way vending machines, I feel like. You don't really see them in like CVS in, or Dwayne in, in Reed. In like a pack, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, all these candies, so yeah, like I, my grandma, like in Bensonhurst had a, like a candy dish, like a candy, like a glass, like candy box and like she would be like, you can go in the candy box, like, and like, <laughs> you can go in the candy box. Yeah, and I'd be like, okay, and there'd be like the strawberry ones, like a Rolo, or like, yeah, but you would take like one, and you'd be like, I'm good, you know. Who does carry Rolo? I don't even know where you'd get it. Grandma, today. I'm telling you, grandmas are where it's at. I don't, because it's a good candy. I'm gonna see my car- my grandma. Chocolate. I'm gonna see my grandma on Tuesday, so. Yeah, grandpas is where you get Werther's originals, and grandmas are where you get the strawberry candy, and the. The other, like, yeah, weird candies, old candies. The ones that are, like, they're just, like, it's just very just a bright small. orange wrapper is one of them. Yeah, okay. that's what the red, it's red. The, the the red, like, the bright orange wrapper was, like, the cinnamon one. Oh. Yeah. All right. All right, well, good to know. Yeah, we'll do, it like, a warhead shot at some point, too. I had someone, someone asked for. Some sort for, of sour shot Someone asked me for a chaser on, like, last week, and I was, like, I don't. I was like, do do a warhead, and they were like, thank you, that's perfect. And did it work? Yes, they okay. said thank you, that's <laughs> okay. perfect. Oh, all right. I thought they just said that when you gave it to them. I mean, well, I, I mean, what they say after? Yeah, they they made the warhead's face because. Oh, the <laughs> yeah, the sour face. And their brain exploded like the warheads. We are gonna do a candy episode soon. We're gonna talk about all these candies. Yeah. And more. Yes, we will. The history of candy. Probably try some, we can, some try some weird candy. We can probably dress the same. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I look like a candy. Bartenders look a lot like candy shop and soda fountain attendants. Because they were. They were also <laughs> well, doctors. They and, were all and the and same. Also doctors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Professors, doctors. I'm here to sell you candy. Or perhaps medicine? teach you a lecture on physics. Peshard <laughs> bitters. Yeah. I'm here to sell you a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> At the at the penis bar. Yeah, but yes, you could that that <laughs> yeah. outfit could also work for some sort of uh, candy as well, probably. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, with that. Oh yeah. So I'm gonna play us out. Yeah, we'll be back. Or we're here. We're here every week. <laughs> we'll be back. We'll be back. We ain't going nowhere. Also, we have uh, events. And this is a podcast. Everything like comes out at different times. So like wherever you're watching it, there's events. Secret Loft NYC. Come to them. And please uh, write us a five-star review. Check the podcast every Wednesday, 8 p.m. if you want to catch it live. But otherwise, you can find it wherever you find your podcasts. So iTunes or Spotify, probably, or wherever else. And it's called Question Block, and we're Secret Loft. He drinks a whiskey drink, he drinks a vodka drink, he drinks a lager drink, he drinks a cider drink. He sings the songs that remind him of the good times. He sings the songs that remind him of the better times. Oh, Donnie.